This is Mortgage Lending Mastery. Get the knowledge you need from America's mortgage mentor with more than 35 years of experience and over $1 billion in lifetime fundings. You'll learn to advance your mortgage practice quickly and efficiently. Also, be sure to check out Jen's book, Launch, How to Take Your Business to New Heights. Available on Amazon. For a signed copy, contact Jen at jenduplessis.com. Now, here is certified mortgage planner and CEO of Kinetic Spark Consulting, Jen Duplessis. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Mortgage Lending Mastery. I'm your host, Jen Duplessis, and I have a wonderful guest here with me today, Lee Brown, who is a realtor extraordinaire. I know that that's what she doesn't say about herself, but that's what I'm going to say about her. A realtor extraordinaire, and it's always a delight to have a realtor on Mortgage Lending Mastery because, as we know, many of our listeners are realtors and so they're looking for advice and many of our listeners of course are mortgage lenders and so they're trying to find out how do i get working with realtors what do i do that's different and so we're going to explore all of those things today so i want to welcome lee to our show how are you doing today lee fantastic thank you for having me on the show it's an honor to be invited i'm happy to have you happy to have you so let me do a formal introduction read a little bit of your bio and then we'll kind of get into the good stuff and We're going to have a lot of fun because wait till you hear what the name of her podcast is as well. But she is a highly successful realtor. She's a best-selling author. She has two books. One is called Outrageous Authenticity. And we'll talk about that and what we're going to be hearing from her uh, around that. And the other is called Seven Deadly Sins of Sales. And uh, we'll probably explore one of the deadly sins and then ask you to go get her book and learn about the (laughs) the others as well. She's from North Carolina, as you'll hear shortly. And, you know, what she really wants to do is leave a mark on the next generation of professionals and, you know, help everyone level up. And of course, that's what we're all about here at Mortgage Lending Mastery. So again, Lee, thank you so much for joining us today. And I want to start with your podcast. Let's talk about your podcast real quick called The Crazy S-H-I-T in Real Estate, right? The Crazy Stuff in Real Estate. So Tell us about your podcast and you know what really prompted you to start your podcast. And I'd like to also know, so far, what's your favorite episode? Oh, man. So I started the podcast about three and a half years ago because every realtor that I know has major issues with the public when it comes to HGTV. So our buyers think that they look at three houses and in 30 minutes, you pick one and it's yours and it's great. And you don't have to have any mortgage pre-approval done at all because they all come in with oodles and scads of money. There's never any hiccups. And frankly, in real estate, almost every transaction has some kind of drama that occurs that you never saw coming, that nobody expected. You warned people about, still didn't see it. If we get one that's as easy as HGTV, we're all on tenterhooks because we're like, this is not normal. (laughs) Right. And so what I wanted to showcase was the wild things that we see you never expect it. Nobody told you when you were getting into the business that you might be the professional guiding people through that. And then in each episode, I try to highlight that this is how professionals pull through this. Because of course, we're in an increasingly online world and people think that you can replace the human relationship with an app and you just can't. And it's primarily because every real estate transaction is different because every house is different. It's got different issues. It's a different day of the week, different season of the year the lenders involved, the inspectors, different agents, different humans. It is so wildly complex when it looks simple on the surface. And the interesting thing about the podcast is that it started primarily consumed by realtors and lenders and affiliated companies. 
But at three and a half years into the podcast, 70% of my listeners are consumers. Because as it turns out, they really love hearing what we go through in these struggles and the stories because it's, it's just so human what real estate is and how it plays out every time. Now, my favorite episode was, frankly, one of my very earliest ones. It's an interview with my dad, who was a realtor for 40 years, and he's retired now. And it's also my most downloaded episode. I think everybody loves listening to my dad because he's just delightful. And, of course, you have your requisite porn and sex and dead people. And (laughs) there was one agent who got presented with the foreskins of her client. And I was like, I just just don't know how you recover from that. And so... (laughs) It's just nonstop. And every time I run an episode, I have five more people raise their hand and say, yeah, but you want to hear about what happened to me, which is, it's just fun. And frankly, we need a little more levity in our lives, period. And real estate and mortgage lending, oh, they give us lots of opportunity to laugh if we just will. Yeah, if we will. That's really good. Yeah, we call it transactional DNA because everything, you know, every single transaction has a different DNA. To it right, and you have these unintended consequences all around the place, right? <laughs> Things just happen, it's just human. So, I love that you're saying that, and that you're talking about the human factor of it. And I'm going to talk to you about you know the competition that's out there online and how you've overcome that here in just a few minutes. But I want to talk about some other things too. You know, we were actually we're going to write my husband and I were going to write a book. He used to be a title agent, he's still a mortgage lender. I'm retired. But uh, we were going to write a book that is something along the lines of things that happen at the closing table, just to kind of share a story about that, because we had a restraining order. There was a restraining order on a husband and wife who were getting divorced, and they had to be a certain feet apart. And this title company wasn't big enough to have the feet apart. So we got a special authorization to allow one of them to be in one room and the other to be in the other room, even though it wasn't the distance. And we had, she came in, we shut the door and he came in. Literally, he was screaming profanities to her from one room, and we—I think it was like four or five rooms apart—screaming profanities to her, clear across the office. And there, of course, there were other closings going on, and she was trembling and whatever, and freaking out. And we ended up having to bring the police, <laughs> do a gag order on him to shut him up so he couldn't get to it. But that's how we went to closing. But I mean, gosh, there's so many things that happen in the closing table too for us that are pretty funny. So anyway, I wanted to share that with you. So let's talk about, and I know you're moving right now, right? And, and as we're recording this, we're, it's, we're in the very beginning of the coronavirus. And I know you're moving right now too. So tell us about your experience in moving, because I think that this is something that as professionals in our industry, we don't do enough of to remind ourselves about the stress and the strain and the anticipation that someone has to go through. So tell us about your experience in today's marketplace and what has just happened with you. Well, it's absolutely true. We don't go through this enough. And I see it with myself. I fall into the trap. I've been a realtor for 20 years. And I see my colleagues, you walk into a house and you're like, do this, do this, do this, and then we'll get it sold. And we're very very low key about how much stress and strain it's going to be. Now, our move was a little less than ordinary. We took two and a half years to renovate a house because contractors and permits. And we have been very intimate now with the regulatory burden that's causing so much havoc on the markets. But in the process, of course, our other house hasn't yet sold because I've got to go in and do the carpet and paint and hardwoods and dress it up for the market. And 
that's an entirely different project. And you realize that in moving, we're asking people to simultaneously manage massive scale projects. And when we're selling one, we forget that the move itself is one of the projects plus the new house has to get organized. And so as a very high control personality, I'm trying to say this goes here, this goes here, this goes here, because I don't like to move multiple times and I want everything done quickly. But good Lord, the amount of dust my stuff has accumulated. And I'm a fairly clean housekeeper, but it's very horrifying to pick a book up off the shelf and I'm wiping it off on my pants to get the dust off and I clean my china cabinet and I'm having to wash everything inside the china cabinet. I'm like, how does it get dirty inside the china cabinet? It's very (laughs) annoying, but it's just, it's so time consuming. And I, I will tell you the most interesting feeling that I had was this enormous amount of guilt and the guilt came from cleaning out my pantry and cleaning out my freezers for things that were like and when I say out of date I'm one of those people that believes the expiration dates on items are totally a marketing ploy to get us to buy more you and my but I found I found a pound of frozen sausage that expired in 2004 and I was like you know what that's beyond the pale that's got to go but you feel guilt throwing that food out. And particularly as we're recording this, of course, we're all in shelter in place with the coronavirus and we're going to have to be cognizant of the food we have in the house. You just realize we, we don't think a lot about things and we forget how fortunate we are to have excess. And then I'm cleaning out my books and I have multiple copies of books that I love because I'm, I'm a bibliophile. I've got books yeah, everywhere. And so now I'm going to def- be taking them to the secondhand bookstore and doing some donations, but it's, it's real rattling. And I, I don't know that I remembered how rattling it was because it's been 12 years since we moved. And of course, you have your typical mom nostalgia. You look at the kids stuff and, Oh, here's the footprints and here's the baby CDs. <laughs> it takes forever. But it's, it's longer than you think. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you stop and you have to, Oh, over everything that you find. And yeah, I can't wait to go on my next appointment. In fact, well, I was on a listing appointment two days ago when I was at the house with the seller. And I was kind of glad to leave this one because it's a wreck and we're standing in her house and my empathy was at an all time high. Yeah. And this is with anything in life. I mean, you're more empathetic with people dealing with aging parents when you have aging parent issues and you're more empathetic to somebody with medical issues when you have it or a divorce and all the other gigantic traumatic life things. And I'll I'll tell you one more thing that was very striking to me. I was chatting with the movers because of course, as a medium aged person, I ain't trying to move my stuff by myself anymore. And all of our friends are now medium aged, so their backs are out. You hire people and they're packing the house and laughing at some of the stuff that I have. And I'm joking back with them and, you know, offering them coffee and snacks because I'm Southern. I feed people. That's what we do. And at the end of the move, I'm, you know, thanking them for their hard work and very appreciative of how much they did. And he was telling us how ugly people are to him. And I said, how in the world are people ugly to movers? And he said, well, you know, I guess it's because they're stressed out and we're just the working guys. Yeah. I was like, man, we got a long way to go as, as humans. Actually, we've almost say we got a long way to go. We got a long way to come back from because I think we used to be more human to each other before social media blew holes in our decency. Yeah. But I was horrified and I said, well, what part of town is ugliest to you? And he said, he, he named the part of Charlotte that we affectionately called the bubble. Uh-huh. And it's where the Stepford moms live mm-hmm. and right. people that Real come in. The Real Housewives. Yeah. They want a turnkey life. We call them new money. They got $1,000 strollers. This is not your old quiet money. This is new loud money. And 
they're ugly and they're rude. And he said he thinks it's just because they're stressed out. So he's making excuses for them while he's carrying their stuff. It's a lot to process. And so I'm sure I'll have some blog posts. Yeah, some thoughts about about it. Yeah, and and some strategies for your clients. You know, when you're going in with your listing appointment, it might be another page of how to be nice and be cordial to people that are serving you, you know. It might be one of the pieces. Yeah. And I think that's really important because we just, we take it for granted and we talk about that a lot, you know, and I'm sure you do as a realtor too, is that you go through this process several times a month and people go through it several times in their lifetime and we take it for granted. And sometimes we just need to slow down to help them out. So, okay. So I want to talk to you about a couple of other things too. And and, and some of these are a little like off topic because there's some things that I just want to make sure that we cover. And one is, you know, in today's marketplace, and we know it's very, very competitive for realtors, for, for loan officers, title companies, you and everybody, everybody's it's competitive, right? It doesn't matter what you do. And so what is it that you're doing that sets you apart from everyone else and, and shines a light on your genius taking you out of being a commodity? Well, I personally think it's because my primary focus in my business is not my business. I focus on other people first. And I learned this a long time ago, but I'll be honest, the first nine years of my business, I just wanted to be number one. I wanted to sell as many houses as possible, take over the Charlotte market and be the queen bee realtor. And I got there, but that's a pretty empty goal when you get there. And I got there with, with all the advertising and making the phone calls and like just hard driving every day. And then I learned a lot of lessons in the last recession, which primarily consisted of asking as many questions as possible to determine if I even could help. Because during the last recessionary period, you couldn't help everyone. Some people just needed to stay put or they weren't financially able to make a change. And I learned very quickly that I had to put other people absolutely in first place, not give lip service to it, but do it. And in fact, on my conference room table, I I tell this story a lot. For during the recession, I did a lot of short sales and I had a lot of consultations with people considering bankruptcy and foreclosure and Mm -hmm. divorce and the the big giant financial underpinnings that can just tear your life apart for years. And we know this from the real estate side and from the lending side. Those are not small decisions to make. And I mean, honestly, it goes back to that whole move analogy again. You don't do it often enough to realize how impactful it's going to be. Well, on my conference room table, I had a bottle of wine, a bottle of Pepto-Bismol, and a box of Kleenex. And people would sit down with me and I'd say, pick your poison because what we're about to go through is going to be painful. And I let them acknowledge that the space was not going to be good because as realtors and as lenders, we are known for being super optimistic and positive people who are always looking for the bright side. Always a great time to buy ourselves. Well, sometimes it's not. Sometimes you're going to and it really sucks. And sometimes you don't want to and you have to. And sometimes it's just the the worst process it could possibly be. And so learning how to acknowledge that was a big game changer for my business. And that led me down a whole different set of paths. And once I got out of the, I'll just call it the greed path. And I think a lot of us have to acknowledge in our space is that there are people who are driven by the money and driven by the greed and they don't know yet. And I'll just say yet, because I do believe inherently that people want to do the right thing and be really good. At a certain point, the money's not enough and the success is not enough. You have to be chasing something else and that can't be what you want. And that's when I started volunteering 
far more heavily in my community and I became the board chair at Habitat and I've been on the board of the YMCA and I took a hiatus from both of those boards and I'm now back on because I also believe that as a volunteer, you have to be very cognizant of the fact that other people's voices matter in the space where you may have expertise. So I'll serve for a while and then I'll back out for a while. And then if I'm invited back in, I'll come back in. I do not ever want to say this is my chair at the church. It can't be my pew. We sit somewhere different every Sunday because I think it's important to interact with different people in different ways. And as I volunteer more, I volunteer heavily with the National Association of Realtors. And I find as many ways possible as I can to give back to my community. And my community to me is defined by the place where my business is located. So that's Concord, North Carolina, where my physical building is the market that I serve, which is Charlotte. So how can I be an impactful community member? And then more importantly, how can I be impactful in my profession? And so through my volunteer space with the realtors, what am I able to do to bring that knowledge back to my neighbors? And for me, that's primarily political advocacy because so many people are completely tuned out to politics. Because if I say politics, they're thinking presidential politics. Well, that's not what impacts your day-to-day life. What impacts your day-to-day life are the regulatory burdens that happen on the local and state level. And so as I volunteer politically, I find information out and I bring it back. And so one example I give of that that does set me apart in the market is the primary elections in North Carolina were the first week of March in 2020. And I always put out a video post and say, I have voted. I'd like to early vote just because I don't like lines. Although sometimes I go on election day to feel patriotic. It's totally up in the air. And so I made a video and said, I have voted. And if you want suggestions on the people on this ballot that are good for property rights. So I stay out of the places where we tend to be most divisive and go for things that are not sexy, but are super important. You need to know which city council people, county commissioners, school board members, I'll give you names, message me. So I don't ever go out and say, vote for this one, this one, this one, this one, because that to me is just creating drama. But I want to be a resource. And so I've become known as a very solid and impartial and fair resource when it comes to those issues, which means people also think of me real estate. In my earlier years, I wanted them to see real estate and think Lee Brown. Now I want them to say Lee Brown and think community. Oh, which by the way, she's my realtor too. And when I flipped that conversation and script a little bit, it changed everything. And so people willingly give my name out now because they know I'm not going to walk on the river and say, hey, who do you know that needs to buy or sell a house? Which is gross and icky and which is what most realtors have been trained to do. And I don't want to be that person. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know if you know anybody. Right. And I know that you have a gift that you're going to give to our audience that we'll have the link in here as well that helps realtors do their social content in a way that doesn't say, look at me, I'm a realtor. I'm a realtor. Look at this house. I just listed it. I just sold it. Let's walk through a tour, all of those things. So um, something that differentiates. So thank you so much for sharing that. I really appreciate that. And I do think that that comes with tenure, (laughs) tenure in the business, tenure in life that you kind of get out of chasing the corporate ladder and moving into the curiosity and the community and helping others and helping serve others. And I really think that also takes you from being a salesperson to what I tell my clients all the time is, remember, it's not a sales call, it's a service call. And that is a key difference in exactly what I believe that you said. So I have a couple of other questions. You know, you started off as a realtor and, you know, you were going to be queen bee, but you also had challenges, right? And so what are some of the challenges that you had, if you can think of some tipping points, because obviously we have new realtors listening into the podcast as well as seasoned realtors. So 
what are some things that you could recommend based on your experience for new realtors to make a difference other than the content that you have in social media, but what could they be doing different outside of social media to, to really get their business going? Well, the first thing is you have to treat real estate like it's a real job. Yeah, it's not a hobby. And I know that sounds kind of funny, but I came out of the corporate world and I had a boss and I had hours and expectations and I had a company truck and I had sales reports to turn in. And then you get into real estate, you're like, you know what? Sit back here by rock and share on my yoga pants and relax. You know, I'll get on social media, click like on a few people's things and say, I work today. Well, that's not working. And so when you look at your trajectory as a realtor or a lender or an inspector or any of our affiliated businesses around us, you have to have a business plan and treat your business like a business. And that means there's starting hours and there's ending hours. It means that there are expectations of your day as far as how much prospecting you will do. Your most successful realtors prospect every single day. Now, the way that you do it depends on your style. It depends on your community, your niche market, but you have to do it regularly. And what I find with a lot of realtors that can't get their success level where they want it, or they can't smooth out the curves, and so they're living in highs and lows, they don't work all the time. They work sometimes. And I was taught, I was lucky. I came into the business with a mentor. And I think everybody should have that opportunity to have a mentor who will put you in their back pocket and carry you around and tell you what to do. But the thing I never listened to my dad as far as running my business was figuring out how to run my personal finances because I always just found money. I'm, I'm a salesperson. So when you're a salesperson, you find your money. It, you go sell something and I was get my apps. Well, my first year in the business, I did very well. I sold a bunch of houses and I owed the IRS $19,000 at my first tax period. And my dad's response was, hey, you had a good year because that's a sales response. And I was like, what am I supposed to do? And he's like, pay it off. And so I had to set up a financial plan. And I think a lot of realtors totally forget this because they make money and then they spend it to keep making money and forget that you're going to have to pay taxes. You're going to have to take care of your business expenses or you will be put out of business. So especially for our newer realtors, and I know that the old guard listening, they're just nodding right along because they've been down this path too. It's treat your money like a finite resource because it is and treat your business like a real job because it is. And when you start doing those things in conjunction with each other, it's going to work out faster and sooner. And I will tell you that there are a lot of resources realtors don't even know about. And one of the tools that we've built at the National Association, I was on the workforce that built it, is called the Center for Financial Wellness. And it's at financialwellness.realtor. It's got an assessment tool to figure out where you are financially, and it's got planning tools. And so if you're figuring out how to fix the mistakes of somebody else who's made them, use the tools that we have now that I wish I'd had. And I think that's very powerful. And I know for years and years, I mean, having been in the mortgage business for 37 years, you know, I was introduced to Brian Buffini and I loved what Brian did too, because he introduced that whole concept to people years and years and years ago is setting up a real paycheck for yourself and not spending your money before you've even earned it, right? The commission. And I think that creates a lot of angst between lenders and realtors in the old days and still to an extent today for someone who is just scrambling to get that one deal to make the payments because it's feast or famine for them. So thank you for sharing that with us. Now, I want to talk about the recession that's pending, (laughs) right? 
And the coronavirus has actually just accelerated the inevitable. And we've known for quite some time, you know, that a recession was heading our way, you know, in the next 12 to 18 months. And unfortunately, I think it's going to come sooner. One of the things that I've learned is that aside from market recession, and I hope that most people know that we aren't going to be in a bubble again, because it's a whole different world this time with this recession, as far as a bubble of values of homes and things. But One of the things that we do have to recognize is that anytime that we have two consecutive quarters of negative income as individuals in our practices, that could potentially happen in what we're seeing now with people in low rates, but are people going to want to move and and things like that? And we'll we'll see what, what comes about, but that we are actually in our own little recession. So as you're thinking about what's happening with coronavirus right now and what's happening with the economy, what strategies are you starting to put into play as a top producer you know people are going to look to you to say well what are you doing to help yourself in this changing time that we're we're in right now and maybe you haven't even thought about it quite yet just kind of waiting for the dust to settle but what are some things that you would be thinking about to prevent what happened years ago to people that have never been in the business or people that were in the business and didn't do the right take the right steps and they failed miserably and have come back in now well, first thing is, if you came into the business since 2013, you need to find a mentor today who was in the business between 7 and 13, because those of us that survived that downturn, we know what we learned and we have not forgotten it. So I'll tell you that no matter what happens economically, I won't be caught unawares. And I learned that from the first recession, because yeah. I did not have a lot of reserves last time. I'm good this time. I did not have any planning in place last time. I'm good this time. And honestly, the yield curve has been suppressed now for so long. We've been looking at something happening. And you know, when the yield curve is suppressed, you're headed for bad times. And it's that factor is normally very reliable. And it hasn't been reliable because you've got mixed messages in the economic climate. But we knew that something was going to have to happen because you don't stay in a bull market forever. Now, the coronavirus piece, of course, it's a lot of it's politically driven. And we all know that. But we do not know what the long-term implications are going to be of this shelter-in-place environment. We're going to lose a lot of our small businesses. And anybody that's in on a commission environment is going to have a really hard time. And, of course, any government plan is not going to plan for our people. It plans for large corporate people with benefits, and that's not who this is. But you'll find that if you look at the MLS every day, houses sell every day. It does not matter what the market conditions are. There's always somebody out there who needs to buy or who needs to sell. And right now, investors are investing because this is a clearance sale. I mean, I'm buying stock as fast as I can because this is when you make money. You do not make money selling high and buying low. You buy low, sell high. And in fact, I mean, there's so many buyers who've reached out to me. I wish I could make a low offer on a house. Like, good, call me back in 2011. You missed that chance. Well, those days are going to come back. And so I've been telling my clients for some time, you should have something liquid so that you can take advantage because as you know, the liquidity in the market is going to be questionable because our mortgages and our banks, they're not really sure what they're looking at. Solvency is going to become an issue because of what the government's proposing on this legislation. And I know I just spoke in words that most realtors and lenders don't speak, but for heaven's sakes, people, you need to go back and read that basic economic workbook and get familiar with your civics again get familiar with yield curves and liquidity and solvency because that's what gives you the knowledge to talk to people. Our job is to dispel fear, but you don't dispel fear with faith. You dispel fear with facts. And hey, here's the information that I've gotten. It's why I'm not panicking. 
and I refuse to panic. And in fact, I'll tell you the side effect of that is the way that you react to an oncoming recession or to any economic changes is what your kids are going to remember about this. And so you know that our millennials have had a hard time buying primary residence because they watched their parents freak out during the last recession. Don't freak out. We've got to teach our kids some resiliency because this is normal. It's not a normal that we like, but it's a normal. And I will say this, for anybody who's complained about all the new people entering real estate and mortgage, oh, there's so many new people getting into our business. A lot of them are going to fall out. And a lot of the old guard is going to fall out. That was the biggest blessing of the last recession is that those who are non-serious about it got out. And I say, amen and hallelujah, let them go. Those of y'all that love the business and love the clientele, get yourself educated now. You don't have any time to wait. In fact, if you're sheltering in place, what better time to take some webinars and some online education, read some classes, get yourself up and running. It's totally doable to prepare yourself to survive. Yeah, I totally agree. I just uh, interviewed Jonathan Slane with Rocking the Recession, and ironically, he actually got Recession.com. I don't know how he got it, <laughs> but he did. Whoa. Yeah, I mean, he's so lucky, and he's had it for a couple of years, but I mean, how, I, I said, how'd you get that? He goes, I looked it up, and no one had it, but I just interviewed him on a podcast, too, and so he'll be, it's a podcast before this podcast, so it'll be released before this. And uh, so, you know, I just want to encourage everybody to go back and listen to Rocking the Recession because it's putting these things in place. It's looking at your expenses as well and being prepared that God forbid anything happens to your business, God forbid anything happens to your job, and you have to reduce expenses. Now is the time to be looking at that and saying, what can we cut out when the time comes so that we can rock that recession and really be able to be prepared for that and ready for the recession, right? Being ready for the recession. So Thank you so much for sharing all that. I know I love when you said about your, you know, your conference room table and pick your pain point, whatever. I just remember having tissues for for clients, you know, that I was talking to during the, the last recession and, and them saying, well, how, what do I owe you? And I say, gosh, I wish you could, but you can't. It's not what we do in our business, but we do become people that are ready to help others, you know, and help them through this process. So we need to be prepared. And I love that you're saying that you're, well, you're investing in the stock market. I'm actually not investing in the stock market. I'm investing, investing in cash rate. Right now and I'm about ready to inject money into options, which is what I'll be doing as soon as the stock market sells down a little bit more. But as far as real estate, I'm an avid real estate investor. Always have been. I'm buying two, three homes a month because I do something a little different. But I'm preparing myself as I'm waiting that I'm sitting in the coronavirus, right? And not traveling. I'm now preparing myself and getting ready to start doing more investing in real estate so that I can be absolutely prepared to create a path for me and my family down the road. You know, we're creating that for ourselves. So anyway, I also wanted to ask you about the competition, right? You mentioned about that it's still human. I totally agree with you. And that is something that I am constantly putting on my clients that I'm coaching and my students is that, uh, yes, social media is important. It is here to stay. We get that. I get it. Yes, online lending is here to stay. And yes, online real estate is here to stay. But there is still that human touch. This is a big purchase. So tell me how you're feeling about fintech right now. Fintech for lending and then also on the side of Zillow, you know, coming out with real estate agents and obviously Redfin with real estate agents. So tell us a little bit about how you're combating that. Because I know that there's a lot of people listening that might be thinking the sky is falling. And they can't compete with that. So what's your take? You're not competing with that. And that's what people need to understand. It's two different beasts altogether. 
And the way I look at it is this. I think both of us probably shop at Walmart, even though you may not like going there. You go there because there's reasons to go there. And then we probably both stop at Neiman, Marcus, or Nordstrom because there's things you like there and you go there for a different set of reasons. And we enjoy going there, but you don't get everything. And it's, they're both shopping environments and you can buy the, some of the similar things in both places. You could buy clothing. It's different quality. It's different outcome. It's different experience. It's different price point. And so you've got to think about the apps in that kind of the same way. The reason buyers go to iBuyer and OfferPad and Open Door and any of those click here to sell is because that consumer values convenience more than they value equity. And that's okay. The biggest thing that professionals need to understand is that it's okay. I've got a seller and she's not going to sell with me. She's going to use an app because her husband left. She has no money to fix the house up. The kids have destroyed it. And it's honestly a wreck in there. She got a number she can live with. She doesn't have any money or time for showings. I know what her life looks like. She's going to take the equity and go buy with me. And my job as a professional is not to tell her, well, you're giving up $5,000. My job as a professional is to say, all right, that's what you're going to do. I got you. Let's go buy over here. If she wants my input, I'm going to give it to her as a professional. But as a professional, I'm never going to tell her what to do. And so when you understand that each consumer has different needs, you understand that the apps help some people. You as realtors and lenders help other people. I don't like online lending because I find it to be very full of false information with the fees messed up and the rates are hyper, well, not hyperinflated, hyperdeflated, really. And I can't get a human on the phone when I've got a closing hung up. All right. Well, I can tell the consumer, this is why online lending drives me crazy. And here's my favorite local lenders. My job is not to pick. My job is to say, here's the pros and cons. And the sooner realtors and lenders learn how to do that and let the consumer just acknowledge that they have that choice, you'll be fine. You will lose a small piece of the market. In fact, the head economist for the National Association of Realtors, Lawrence Yoon, estimates that about 5% of the market overall will wind up using one of the apps to sell. That's not as much of the market as realtors would think. By the way that people fuss on social media, you think it's 95% of the market, but it's the house here and there, and you got to stop. I also know that Zillow is losing great oodles and scads of money on that program. All right. Well, at some point, their shareholders are going to put a stop on that, particularly in a recessionary environment, because hedge funds do not like to buy depreciating assets. And as house prices pull back, those will become depreciating assets. So now's the time for as a realtor to say, hey, man, call them and check their numbers and then call me and check mine. I'm glad to talk to you. I know that in the Charlotte market, those services don't buy houses over 400000 right now. So if I'm talking to a seller suspect, I need to know that information so I can say, if you want to check it out, they're going to kick you out, but give it a shot. And here's my numbers too. Just be available. And it's where you have to take social media with a grain of salt because you're being talked to in your echo chamber because every single one of those networks has built algorithms that talk to you the way you want to be spoken to. You're only getting bits and pieces of information. You'll do so much better if you see somebody having a need on social and then you pick up the phone and call them and say, hey, I saw your mama was sick. Can I bring over something for you to eat? I will tell you that my biggest part of my business is old people. I love old people. And not because they're not going to the apps to shop, but because I love and respect my elders. Well, if I go to a listing appointment at an older person's house, I bake a loaf of bread to take with me because it's the human too. And they sit there and eat while we list a house. And they know that I cared enough to spend that time before I got there. 
And that tells people who you are. And that's where you take that social piece to learn about people and then go put it into action in person because yeah. the apps won't do that. Okay. And the other thing the apps don't do is the point I was making earlier regarding my podcast. So of course my podcast is all these things that happen. Apps can never help you through that. There's no FAQ on Zillow that tells you what to do if you've got fungal growth in your crawl space and a buyer that's two days away from crashing your contract. That's where your realtor comes in. And your realtor is going to call the lender and say, hey, what are we dealing with here? And put a plan together. That's something an app will never do. So you've got to be super specific in defining the value that you bring to the transaction. And the realtors and lenders that are most at risk, they don't understand the value they bring because they devalued themselves and they got to fix that first. Yeah. And I would say, you know, in great comments, I love what you had to say about that. Yeah. It's about building that foundation for yourself now not waiting for the market to bring you all of this extra business because a recession will bring extra business in a different way, but it'll bring this extra business. And yeah, you may survive it for a while, but it's creating that foundation. You know, and I can say that from my experience in business, that foundation was key because I never had the highs and lows. You know, we had some hills once in a while, but we never had the highs and lows because we had that, that foundation built. And right now, instead of sitting back and saying, well, they're beating me and they're not, I can't get business and my client keeps going there and thinking that it's so much of it. It's just, yeah, wham, wham, crying. It's like, put your big girl panties on and your big boy pants on, right? And get out there and start differentiating yourself right now. Be available right now because people are going to need your advice. Real shortly, they're going to need your advice on what to do with what's happened in the economy and with the recession. And so I love, I love what you're saying. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'd like to just kind of, as we start to close out here, I, want to, I do want to ask you one question about your book about seven deadly sins of sales. So imagine there's, maybe it's number one, maybe you listed them one to seven in that order for that reason. But in this economy right now, what would be one of the deadly sins that you would say, hey, people, you got to stop right now? You've got to stop ignoring your phone. It's been driving me crazy for years now that we have these amazing little smart devices and their computers and the phone comes in to a salesperson. Because let's be honest, realtors and lenders are salespeople. You might do a lot of consulting and advising, but you're selling. And you're like, I don't know that number. That might be a scammer. Let's hit decline. And if it's important, they'll leave me a voicemail. Well, you know, there's a lot of people that don't leave voicemail anymore. If they don't get you, they just keep going until they get somebody. And you were waiting on them. We have to get out of our own way. And right now, when your phone rings and it's a consumer calling, they don't want to call you. I can promise you that. The last thing they wanted to do was call you to talk to you, but they've picked up the phone and they've reached out to you. Your job is to answer it and say, how can I help you? And may I ask you a few questions? And you start figuring out how you can help. That's going to put your business back on track right now if you just answer your phone. And also means that in your phone, there's a contact manager. You should pay some outbound calls. Click on a name and send the call. And if they answer, say, hey, I was just thinking thinking about you. (laughs) Because we have two weeks now at home with a house full of kids. Why not call people and ask them how they're doing? How are you surviving the shelter in place? Can I bring you anything? Is everybody in your house cool? I mean... This is a good time to be human, which has the side effect of building your business because we're in a human business. And I do think we forget that. So put them back together and interplay and solve that problem. And I will say on the telephone part too, what drives me crazy, and you've seen this, 
I call a professional lender or a realtor every single time the voicemail you have reached is full. Y'all better fix that right now. That drives me crazy. Empty your voicemail out. Uh -uh. I'm laughing. I'm laughing about that because it just happened to me with my dance instructor. (laughs) I just, I don't feel comfortable dancing unless we're going to wear rubber gloves. I don't feel comfortable dancing this week and, but your voicemail is full. And so I can't even leave it. I can't even leave voicemail. So I have to text and that just takes money out of that trust account. It just constantly does. Um, and it makes you wonder, you know, I like that phrase. Ooh, I'm stealing that (laughs) money out of the trust account. That's good. You're I love it. You're withdrawing all the time, you know? That's exactly it. So, Lee, as we finish up today, tell us about a quote that really motivates you or, you know, drives you in your business or your personal life. Tell us about a quote that, that moves you. Oh, my favorite quote ever, and it's on the wall in my office, and so you'll have to envision it since I'm here at my house <laughs> since we're moving right now. It's Winston Churchill, who was one of the most brilliant people to ever live and one of the best and most resilient leaders we ever had. And I think resiliency is, has been an underestimated trait that we should all be angling to get back into. Winston Churchill said, I myself am an optimist. I see no purpose in being anything else. I love it. I love that. And so it reminds me, I got to look on my wall. I'm like, that's right. If Winston Churchill could be an optimist when he got booted out of office and saved his country from the Nazi invasion and had to lift up an entire island full of people who were panicked and depressed and ready to give up. Okay. I can manage to call one more prospect. I'm good. Yeah. It's funny you said that. Um, We were talking offline before we went on recording here about Les Brown, right? And Les just just yesterday posted about the coronavirus and quoted this quote with Winston Churchill. (laughs) This one right here? uh Uh-huh. My quote? you. (laughs) That's a God moment, sister. That's a God moment. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? That's divine intervention. So it's wonderful. So now we have two people. So I'm sure I'll hear a third person quoting Winston Churchill about optimism sometime in the next week or so. So I want to say thank you so much. It's been an absolute delight. I'd love to actually have you back on again in another time when we're not talking about this situation, but another, another opportunity. And I want to encourage everyone who's listening to download your PDF, right? That your gift that you're giving to us, which is Lee Brown's social content list and what to put out there in social content that will actually differentiate you. And why not start it right now, right? Start exactly. right now, the situation. So I want to say thank you so much uh, for spending time with me today. It was great to meet you. It was great to hear your story. And I'm so excited. I've already gone in and subscribed to your podcast. I've already uh, written a review on one of the ones I saw that was just really fun. It was actually a, um, someone who was on my podcast as well. I wanted to hear what they had to say on your podcast. So congratulations for that. And I just wish you all the best as you're getting through this period of time that we're about to explore <laughs> both physically as humans and also in our businesses. And I wish you all the best. And I know that you're going to be very, very successful through this. So thank you for sharing. Thank you for having me on the show. And for all of my listeners who are going to be watching this episode, and listening to it, don't fear. I will make sure to get this woman and her power husband tell some more title stories on my podcast because they got stories to tell too. And it's always an honor to be affiliated with another professional woman. So thank you for what you're doing in this space and for helping lift people up. And no matter what the season is bringing us. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, again, everyone, thank you so much for listening. 
And please be sure to write a review and give us a five-star rating on this show and um, explore everything that Lee has to offer as well. And I would say take action, right? I always say stop talking, take action, get results. Take the action as you're listening to this to improve the way that the community sees you so that you become the go-to expert no matter what the market is and put your blinders on. Don't look at what everyone else is doing. Focus on what you're doing for your success. And we will catch you next time on Mortgage Lending Mastery. Thank you for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Looking to streamline and launch your practice by accessing Jen's tools, courses, classes, presentations, and resources? Visit jenduplessis.com to learn about the features and benefits thousands of other professionals have experienced by enrolling in Jen's lifetime membership program. Isn't it about time you consider a coach to take your business to new heights? Contact Jen to start your application process today. Thanks again, and be sure to tune in next week.